We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's up, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I'm a little bit sad as we go through this episode. These are our last two breakdowns of the Packers. 2023 draft class, the last two of the 13. It's been a lot of work going through these, but it's also been a ton of fun. If you haven't been able to tell already, extremely huge fan of this draft class. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't doesn't win any awards. It doesn't mean that they're going to end up well. I tweeted out the other day, at the end of the day, you probably end up with maybe a, a star from the class, hopefully, maybe a couple starters, maybe a couple rotational players, a couple special teams guys, a handful of guys that just never work out, probably out of the league in two, three, four years. That's just how most draft classes go. But in all of my time doing this, this is easily one of my favorite draft classes that any GM of the Packers has put together. And I'm just so excited to be able to see what they're going to be able to do out on the field because the more and more that I watch the tape of these players, the more and more excited I get. Doesn't mean that I love every pick. Anders Carlson were like 
I have no idea. I will. That's just a wait and see pick. Sean Clifford, probably a little overdrafted in the fifth. If again, if we're nitpicking that, not a massive disappointment there. Lou Nichols, we'll talk about in a little bit. Again, if your seventh round pick is the one that you're maybe, you know, you know, having a little bit of umbrage with, not a huge deal. Like overall, could not be more excited about this draft class and cannot wait to see what they're going to do this upcoming season and beyond. But it does leave us with only two players left to break down. So I'm going to break down the last two seventh round picks from the offensive side of the ball. And that of course is Grant Dubose as well as Lou Nichols. I'm going to start with Lou Nichols. So let's jump in right away. 5'10", 220 pounds, running back out of Central Michigan. He is a redshirt junior, only 21 years old, and will turn 22 in August. So still a young player, despite having a pretty impressive resume when it comes to running the football. Speaking of which, uh, statistically in his career, 615 carries, 3,046 yards, a five-yard average, 26 touchdowns, 71 catches, 575 yards, an 8.1 yard average, and three touchdowns receiving. Uh, In 2021, when he had his best season, he had 341 carries for 1,848 yards and 16 touchdowns. That was just his 2021 season, 1,848 yards and 16 touchdowns. And added to that, 40 catches for 338 yards and two more touchdowns. So 18 touchdowns that season, over 2,000 all-purpose yards. He was an absolute machine in 2021, had a good offensive line, a really fun offense, and he made the most of it during that season. Per PFF in 2019, had a 69.1 grade, 2020, a 78.1, 2021, a 84.8. And then things kind of came back to life a little, or back down to earth, I should say, this past season. In 2022, had a 62.5 grade. All right, from an athletic standpoint, a 7.91 relative athletic score unofficial. Uh, He did not have a official relative athletic score. The numbers that he posted were online and you're able to fill those in on the website, which accounts or amounts to a 7.91 RAS, but that is an unofficial score. But I do believe that those numbers are correct uh, that we got from a testing standpoint. And I do believe that that would ultimately be his RAS score. Had a solid bench press, vertical and 10 yard split, had a poor broad jump and a poor three cone. His athletic comps, interestingly enough, former Packer Cedric Benson and former very important player in Packer history, Richard Mendenhall, who of course had the fumble when the Packers won the Super Bowl with Clay Matthews, Spillett, Pickett, etc. But those were his two comps, Cedric Benson and Richard Mendenhall. Not two bad running backs to be compared to, at least especially when you're a seventh round pick. All right, the positives for me, really good vision. This to me is his best trait. He has a really good like overall ability to see everything that's happening in front of him and to figure out where the best alley is. And sometimes that is one of the best things that you can have. Now, there's a lot of other things that are nice to have too, speed, power. There's a, a plethora as a running back, obviously receiving out of the backfield, route running. But the, sometimes the holes are small in the NFL and sometimes they're not exactly where you expect them. Arian Foster is somebody to me who he had some, you know, really positive traits clearly with it goes without saying, but his vision was phenomenal. And to me, if you can have really good vision and find where the hole is and get up field, there is value in that. And to me, his vision is really, really good. He does a great job of identifying the holes, finding them, and then hitting them. There's not extra movements there. He's not dancing. He's finding that hole and he's getting up field. And sometimes 
that's just all you need, especially if you're going to be somebody that's like a number, you know, number three running back. Probably if you're getting in, don't try to do anything fancy, find the hole, get upfield, try to make a play. And I think that that's what Lou Nichols does absolutely best. And <laughs> number two on my list, fair enough, doesn't mess around, gets right upfield. So again, it goes all, it, it all sort of combines into one. You want to know how you get 1800 yards of rushing. It's you're finding the hole quickly, you're getting upfield and you're getting the yardage that not only is there, but like I said, a lot of people, maybe a lot of other running backs aren't finding because he just has a, a better brand of vision than in my opinion, other running backs do at the position. He also runs with a very low center of gravity with very good balance, which allows him to sometimes break a few more tackles, but we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But um, you always want that low center of gravity, better balance, and it's just going to give you a little bit more run through contact ability. And we did see some of that play out, especially in 2021. I think to me, his technique needs a lot of work when it comes to blitz pickups, but he has a solid base for it. He's built really well, low to the ground, low center of gravity, you know, good weight, good mass structure. Like I think all of that is going to lend itself to being a solid blitz uh, pickup guy, but he needs a lot of work on technique. And we'll talk about that in the negatives as well. Uh, I think he has a really nice uh, jump cut and really good uh, lateral agility as well. You will see him go gap to gap with a very quick jump cut. There's a, I kind of compare him to like a C minus C, maybe C plus like Le'Veon Bell. I think he can catch the ball of the backfield, just not as well as Le'Veon Bell. He's got a really impressive jump cut. That a little bit kind of looks like Le'Veon Bell, but just not quite as good. You know, he doesn't have the quite the speed of Le'Veon. Doesn't have quite the tackle breaking as Le'Veon. Doesn't have the jukes that Le'Veon has, but kind of has like sort of that game, but just like a C minus version of Le'Veon Bell. But that first jump cut where he's able to get a gap over that is important when you are a vision back. When you want to see everything open up in front of you, sometimes the hole is over there and you are here. And obviously you're going forward, jump cut, and all of a sudden you can get out there. I really like that out of Lou Nichols. And you combine some of those things, his ability to see the hole, the lateral agility to get there, and then the ability to explode upfield. Those are good traits for a running back and something that you can certainly build off of. And I'll say it once again, especially as like a number three, number four running back, there's something there that you can build off of and hopefully develop as your game gets a little bit better through the course of your career. He's a solid pass catcher out of the backfield as you know, evidenced by all of his catches in college. His 2021 production was off the charts. He does flash a decent stiff arm from time to time where he's able to get defenders off of him and just away from him. And the last really positive that I'll say about him is he gives himself options. And that's a sort of, it might feel like a weird thing to say about a running back, but you can see sometimes where like the way that he maneuvers himself towards the line of scrimmage, it's like he's giving himself like almost like a two-way go. And it's it's just a really unique kind of style. And it, it doesn't seem like he's ever really caught off guard or like he's giving himself sort of outs. So like if he's going to hit this hole, but I kind of have this back cut if I need it, if all of a sudden this, this hole fills faster than I'm expected, all right, jump cut, I'm going to go through this one. And I just noticed it on tape a few, on multiple different occasions where it was like he gave himself an out in case something went wrong with his initial read and then jump cut upfield and all right, we're going to do something different. I just kind of like that style out of him as somebody who's able to maybe find a little bit of a different way if whatever is there or what he thought was there didn't end up materializing. All right, from a negative standpoint, he's not a power back. He's not a speed back. He's not a shifty back. He's not really super elusive there's not really that one superpower that he has. And vision's good. I like good vision for a running back. All right, he's got good hands, but at some point you kind of have to have something. 
are you a power back? Are you a speed back? Are you a shifty back? Are you a scat back? Are you a change of pace back? Are you what? What are you? And to me, it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm just a running back. I do kind of some good things, nothing super spectacular. That's not the worst thing in the world, but that's kind of why you end up being a seventh round pick. Some people had an undrafted grade on him is there's just kind of lacking something special there. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's kind of holding him back is you just have to have that it that can get you to do something a little bit more special as a ball carrier or somebody that's going to have the ball in their hands a lot. And that he just didn't really display that or have that. That said, he had, you know, over 2000 yards in a season. So there's clearly something there. And again, I think that, a, you know, vision and ability to get upfield is certainly a big piece of that. Does not have breakaway speed. So even if he gets in the open field, he needs to have, you know, a lot of space because in the NFL, I think guys are going to chase him down. As mentioned, blitz technique needs a lot of work. I thought a lot of his rushing yards were blocked yards, especially in 2021. You know, they had uh, Bernard Raymond, uh, Raymond, like go, uh, really, really, I think probably what top 100 in that draft class in, in the 2022 draft. Um, you could tell that the blocking was just better. And I thought a lot of his yardage was blocked yardage. And that's not a terrible thing. You should get your blocked yardage and his vision again plays a part in that. But I didn't see him doing a lot of dynamic things to get him those yards. It was sort of like, oh, it's blocked for me. Let me go get that. Again, that's not a bad thing, but it just seemed like he wasn't the one that was generating a lot of those big plays. It was kind of his offensive lineman and the blocking ahead of him. I think the upside in playmaking is very limited with Nichols. I think he can be a solid back. I just don't ever think we're looking at, all right, wow, he is a future number one superstar, all pro running back. I just don't think there's very much upside there. So rotational back, sure. I think he can absolutely get to that. Could he start a game or two if need be? Yeah, I think he could probably get through with that, but I don't think this is a guy that you're going to be making... um, you know, a bunch of explosive playmaking plays that you're going to be giving a huge contract to as a number one running back. I just think there's ultimately limited upside there for Nichols. And in the late seventh round, that's totally fine. That's not a big deal. He has not played much special teams, which if he's going to be a number three running back and wants to get active on game day, he's going to have to step up and really pick up special teams very, very quickly. I think he's going to have to be more like the 2021 version of himself. He took a pretty big step back in 2022, dealt with some injuries, but also the offensive line wasn't quite as good. And you could see some of that production fall, which again, leads me to believe a lot of that was blocked yardage. And uh, you know when he was with a better offensive line in 2021, the big question that I have with Nichols, and I kind of alluded to this already, but what is he going to give you on the second level? So let's just say you get that blocked yardage, right? And you get through that first line of defense and his vision is going to help him with that. He sees the hole, he gets through it. All right, now there's a second wave of defenders. All right, there's probably an unblocked linebacker that's waiting for me. There's for sure going to be a safety or two that are waiting for me. All right, what can I do? And that's where I have concerns about Nichols because again, he doesn't have that breakaway speed. He'll, he can run behind his pads a little bit and he can maybe gain you know a little bit through contacts, but that's not going to be a playmaking play. Like he's not elusive. He's not going to juke someone out of his shoes. So he just has to figure out something that he can do on the second level to get those explosive plays. It's something that's plagued AJ Dillon a little bit as well. And Dillon doesn't have that explosive speed. He hasn't broken many tackles on the second level. Like those are things that you just have to sort of have if you want to be a playmaker. And if you're playing a playmaking position, at some point you need to be a playmaker. So I want to know what he's going to give you on the second level. Didn't show a ton of that in college. And last but not least, he just goes down far too often from the first defender, which again, lends itself to believe that it's a lot of blocked yardage and not him making that defender miss on the second level. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I do think he's going to get every opportunity to win the number three position in Green Bay. We know Brian doesn't like cutting his draft picks. He's probably competing with, what, a Tyler Goodson and a Patrick Taylor for for running back number three. Then I think he's going to be given every opportunity to win that. And he is going to have to show ultimately that he can pass protect and play on special teams if he wants to make the 53 and ultimately if he wants to be active on game days. I do think that there were better running backs available even in the seventh round undrafted free agency than Nichols. Do I think that there could be something there that they develop? Sure. I think there's limited upside though. And ultimately you're probably looking at a number two, number three rotational back, even at its ceiling at the NFL level. But I do think his vision, one cut style and ability to get upfield fits well within Matt LaFleur's offense. I think he can become a much better pass protector. I think he catches the ball well out of the backfield. All of a sudden you start putting some of those pieces together and you can come, you know, become a pretty nice rotational back in any offense. And hopefully that's what ultimately Lou Nichols becomes. All right, let's move on to Grant DuBose, our final breakdown. 6'2", 201, wide receiver out of Charlotte, senior, 21 years old, will turn 22 in June, so still a little bit younger as well. At Charlotte, he had 126 catches for 1,684 yards, 13.4 yard average, and 15 touchdowns. That was over two seasons at Charlotte, and it was basically like almost identical seasons. Like he was very consistent. So just kind of split those numbers in two, and that's basically what you had over the two seasons. And uh, per PFF, in 2019, when he played for Miles College, uh, he had a 55.6 grade. In 2020, he didn't play. In 2021, he had a 76.8 grade. And in 2022, he had a 71.6 grade. 
his athleticism had a 8.79 relative athletic score, did not do the bench press, had a 93rd percentile 10-yard split in the 40-yard dash, 84th percentile broad jump. His worst was the 46th percentile short shuttle. So uh, his three-cone was uh, fine, so it wasn't any major issue. And overall, 87th percentile athlete at wide receiver. So he's got good overall athleticism and good out of his breaks. You can see that 10-yard split play uh, when he's out on the field. But his 40 time and uh, the short shuttle, some of those things do limit him a little bit as far as what he can do from a separation standpoint. His athletic comps, Sammy Watkins on his list of athletic comps, as was the former Michigan wide receiver, Ty Streets, a name I had not heard in some time. As the tape goes, let's start with the positives. I thought he had really nice, really clean, simple cuts and releases off the line of scrimmage. Wasn't a super vast playbook when it comes to his route tree. Wasn't a super diverse you know, um, release move set at the line of scrimmage. He's going to have to diversify his route, uh, his route tree and diversify his releases off the line of scrimmage. But I, like when he made those movements, he was clean. He was crisp. He was fluid. Like, I just kind of liked the way that he moved. And I'll even go a step further than that. In his routes, when he would get in and out of his break, there was a crispness and a sharpness to how he ran those routes. I really, really enjoyed it. And I do think it's going to be something that he's able to continue to build off of. As mentioned, and we'll get to this in the negatives, he is not a high-end separator, but there's enough in his route running, enough nuance already, that leads me to believe he has the potential to get a bit more open in the NFL than even what he did in college. And I think that that's something that he can continue to progress with, but I love the sharp cuts. I love how he was able to just move with fluidity and just ease. And that to me was what stood out first and foremost. I also really like how he plucks the ball and catches the ball outside of his frame, just goes out and gets it. And I'll just cut to the chase here. There's some James Jones to his game, in my opinion. Like you're not thinking this ultra separator. There was a lot of contested catches for James Jones. James Jones. There was a lot of back shoulder fades. There was a lot of those where he's going up and plucking the ball away from his body and just kind of going and getting the ball. I saw a lot of that in Grant Dubose and his ability to catch outside of his frame and go get some of those balls was it, it you're, you know eerily reminiscent at times to what we saw out of James Jones. And Dubose actually has better height at 6'2 than what Jones did. And I think might have the ability to go get that ball a little bit more than even James did in Green Bay. I'm not saying he's going to become James Jones. Please don't quote me on that. But I do think he has you know some of those traits that could prove well at the NFL level, just like they did for James Jones. As mentioned, he goes up and gets the ball, has really good body control. And that's, again, when we talk about the comp to James Jones, James had phenomenal body control. I see a little bit out of that of DuBose as well. Does a really nice job of working his way back to the football. And in an Aaron Rodgers-led offense, that was something that was super important. We'll see how that looks in a Jordan Love and how many plays he's extending and if receivers need to come back to the ball, if he's kind of more playing within the rhythm of the offense. But Plays are going to break down, and when they do, DuBose does a very nice job of coming back to the ball. There was a specific play in the red zone where, in fact, there was a lot at Charlotte where the play did not go according to plan, but there's one in the red zone where he just like comes completely inside of the corner, runs the route at an angle, gets the ball, gets in the end zone, and gets a touchdown for his team. So love that from him, and he is not a stranger to spectacular catches at all. Again, another James Jones uh, trait here, but he had some crazy catches. He had one that he caught off, like went up and mossed the corner and caught it off of his back. There are plenty of highlight level catches for him. 
He has great balance, great overall athleticism, and he did play some special teams on punt coverage and did do a little bit of punt returning as well. So he does have some special teams value. There's also in a single game, I talked to Ben Fennell about this a little bit as well, where in in the same game, like he has you know, the ability to go down and, and catch a ball down the field, but he also runs through a player as well. So some really, really fun stuff from uh, Grant DuBose and what he can do on tape. Now, from the negative standpoint, there's not a ton, but there's some important things. I would have liked to have seen him have a little bit more overall college production. And he had two solid seasons, but it's not like he was getting like a thousand yards a season or anything like that. So listen, Charlotte wasn't great. You could tell their offense was a little bit disjointed, didn't have the best quarterback in the world. So you can understand a little bit, but ideally you would have liked to have seen a little bit more high-end production. As mentioned, he is not a high-end separator. And I've talked about it numerous times. We are in the age of separation in the NFL. You don't want to have to be throwing contested catches. You don't have to be living off of back shoulder fades. You don't want to have to be living off of jump balls. You don't want the ball to be put in a position where the corner has the opportunity of the ball, or it could just get tipped and intercepted by somebody else. That's a that's a poor way to live in the modern NFL. You want guys who can separate and ideally separate with ease, and that's not Dubose. And like I mentioned, I do think he has the ability to evolve into a better separator than he was in college, but he's going to have to work on his releases, going to have to continue to expand his route tree, going to have to work on his deceptiveness, and just find ways to get better levels of separation so that the quarterback's not having to constantly throw you know, just back shoulders or contested plays where the corner could theoretically come down with the ball. And that happened a little bit more often than I think Charlotte would have liked uh, this past couple seasons at Charlotte. Speed, not there. So it's not terrible speed, but I think if this was a 4-4-40 guy, we're talking about a guy that probably was taken top 100 or maybe in the fourth round. Instead, he just didn't have that speed. And that's why he went seventh round later in the draft. Playmaking, only had one catch of 30 yards this past season or more per Dane Brugler. So this once again, the separation, the playmaking ability had not been there. So that's going to be something that he has to continue to work on. Needs to do a better job against press man coverage and against more physical corners. More physical corners gave him a lot of trouble in college. And that's going to be something that probably gives him a lot of trouble in the NFL if he doesn't learn from it. And I do think in some similar way to Lou Nichols, he lacks a little bit of that high-end upside. I think he could develop into a really nice number three wide receiver, maybe a decent number two. I think that that's probably where the ceiling is, but that's ultimately why, like if you're taking a guy in the top 100, top four rounds, like you're hoping they have some potential to maybe turn into a really good starter. I don't necessarily see that with Dubose. Maybe not a knock, I'm not trying to knock the guy. I think I think he can be a good receiver and I'm excited about him, but I don't think that there's some of that high-end potential that maybe you get with some of the other players in this draft. And again, that just is why he ultimately was taken in the seventh round. How he can fit in Green Bay, I do think he's a really intriguing prospect. I think he gives you an option as a rotational wide receiver. And I do think there is some upside there to develop into a you know mid-tier starter. Don't think you're gonna be a number one, but if you can develop into like it's not it's not the same type of player, but I think you could develop into an Alan Lazard type player that helps your team and goes makes plays. And if you can get that in the seventh round, like that, there's there's possibilities there. So I wouldn't limit him too much. I do think there's upside. I don't think there's extreme upside, but he's a good player and I'm really excited about him. And then my final thought, I think it's fair to put a similar expectation on him that we saw get put on or like what we saw from Samari Toure this past season. Toure didn't get to play much, wasn't active very much. When he got in, made a couple flash plays, made a couple plays that made you go, wow, I think this guy could maybe be something. 
That's what I want to see out of Grant DuBose. I don't need necessarily more than you know him being the number six wide receiver. I think you're hoping that all the other guys that were drafted last year and this year are probably ahead of him on the depth chart. That's probably a good sign for things. But if he needs to go in as a number three or four receiver for a couple games because of some injuries or fill in here and there, I think he can have some of that production where you're like, oh, that guy's got some talent. I think you could potentially develop into something. So just like we saw to Toure when he got opportunities, we saw some pretty impressive stuff. I think if DuBose gets those opportunities, the expectation should absolutely be the same because they're not the same player, but I do think they have similar type of, you know, talent expectations, both taken in the seventh round. And I think, I think he can go out and have, you know, do exactly what Samori Toure put together as kind of the blueprint as a seventh round wide receiver this past season. So that's what I'm looking for out of Grant Dubose is follow the blueprint that Samori Toure put out there for you to a T. And hopefully by next year, just like Samori Toure hasn't been out of, you know, Brian Gudekins and Matt LaFleur haven't been able to keep his name out of their mouths. Hopefully that's the same for Grant Dubose next year. We're talking about another potential seventh round steal for the Green Bay Packers at wide receiver. That is going to do it for me today. That finishes up our 13 draft picks. Still hoping to do an undrafted free agent episode here in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already. Make sure to hit that notification so you are notified every time a new episode comes out. But you know I'm going to be here 365 days a year, which means I will see you guys tomorrow. And until next time, and as always, go Paco. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.